Hello, I'm Daniel. This is my podcast, Sharpening the Mind. I am a meditation teacher and also a labor activist in Kansas City, Missouri. I teach classes in meditation and Buddhism at the Rime Buddhist Center, as well as a few other places. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Today, I'm going to talk about the preliminaries, or the things that support our practice. Um, Kentrol Lodrotai calls it building a foundation for freedom, and I think it it is that serious. We need a solid foundation for our, for our mind training and for our meditation practice. We need a solid foundation to help us build up what we want to build up, right? So, the preliminaries are at the beginning of Atisha's mind training program. And it's just a list of four things for us to sort of reflect on, contemplate, learn to understand, and when we do that, then what we're going to learn is that we have more inspiration, more motivation in our practice because we have this foundation, because we've reflected on these things, because the truth is, these are sort of the things that make uh, makes mind training important, makes make mind training important, are these four things, because they're like the reminders that we need, that we could be doing something different. We could be doing something different. So I'm going to share with you a quote from Kentro Lodro Tai in The Power of Mind. He says, using these contemplations, our priorities will change. We'll learn to let go of the causes of suffering and begin to adopt thoughts and actions that lead to genuine happiness. We must want freedom to find freedom. The motivation, this motivation, is the foundation of all spiritual practice. So that's that's what we're talking about. We're talking about learning to sort of put down the things that don't serve us and pick up other things instead. Or turn our negative feelings into positive feelings. So we want to learn how to put down our emotional baggage, our greed, our aggression, our delusion, our obsession with ourselves, our um, great tendency to give in to temptation all the time. We want to learn how to put these down and just replace them with the wisdom and compassion that lead us to well-being. Okay, That's what we're talking about doing. We're talking about putting down our emotional baggage, which we all have some of. And I don't mean to say when I talk about emotional baggage, I'm not really talking about like horrifying trauma that I know many people have in life, but rather I'm talking about all sorts of little things that can give us baggage as well. Like, for example, if your parents didn't hug you enough as a kid, or if you were rejected a lot of times by people you were trying to get involved with, or whatever, whatever, we can hold on to these things, and that that holding on can really get in our way, can really get in our way and stop us from finding happiness and joy. So, I'm going to tell you what the four the preliminaries are. Um, for the preliminaries, we're going to talk about, I said a list of four things. These are called the four thoughts that change the mind. 
I've sometimes seen these called the four thoughts that turn the mind toward the Dharma. And that just means, don't get caught up in that, that just means that these four things, when we reflect on them, if we really understand them, they can lead us to thinking, oh, I need to, I need to do something different, maybe. I need to do something different, maybe. So, I'm going to tell you what the four things are um, right now. So, the four thoughts that change the mind. Number one, this precious human life. Number two, impermanence. Number three, karma, cause, and result. And number four, the dissatisfactory nature of existence, which we could call suffering. Um, and I'll, I'll speak on why I'm not the biggest fan of the word suffering in a little bit. So, those are the four thoughts that change the mind. And Kentro Lodrote says, each of these four thoughts can be applied in a formal meditation setting or simply be related to any aspect of our daily life. They give us a unique perspective on our life and on specific situations, which then enables us to apply the other trainings and leads us to a growing sense of certainty as to the nature of existence and the wish to be free. It's pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy. So, I'm going to go into a little amount of detail on each of these. At a later time, I'm going to do a deep dive into each of them, I think. But right now, just briefly, this precious human life, what are we talking about? We're talking about how uh, there's no reason why we were born in this time and place that we can point to. We just were, right? We were born as human beings in this time and place. And that alone, we don't think of ourselves as incredibly fortunate all the time, but we are. What are the odds that we'd be born in this time and place, right? And so uh, there's a Buddhist metaphor for this, and I don't know if I like it very much, but it is, um, there's a wooden circle in the ocean, and there's a blind turtle in the ocean, and the likelihood of you being born as a human being is the same as that turtle sticking its head directly through the wooden circle when it comes up out of the water, right? So what, what does that mean? Well, it just means it's wildly unlikely, right? It's like finding a specific grain of sand on the beach or things like that, right? That's, that's the Buddhist metaphor that gets taught. And we can think of it that way. You know, in, in, in traditional Buddhist teachings, they say that you can be born in different forms and in different realms. And when you die, um, some aspect of you is likely to be born somewhere else and maybe not as a person, right? And we don't need to think of it that far, though, because we can just reflect on how lucky we are to live in the modern world. Um, by that, I mean I live in a place that has hot showers, flushable toilets, uh, easy access to soap, relatively easy access to food, transportation, right? The internet, right? We have these things that we're lucky to have and that other people in history didn't have access to. And even some people today don't have access to it, actually. There's, I think, plenty of people in this world who don't have just flushable toilets right now. And man, I'm thankful for that. And so... If we're lucky to be here, 
even though we don't, like I said, we don't always feel lucky, but if we're lucky to be here, then it stands to reason we shouldn't waste our lives then, right? If we're lucky to be here, are we going to go through life living on autopilot and just having things happen to us and we just react and we don't really think about how we react to things, but we just do them and we push people away and we make enemies out of the world all the time and we're, we don't have a great sense of well-being all the time because we're chasing after things, right? And maybe we should think about the best way to live our lives because we have this precious human life, because we're lucky to be here and this life is rare. And additionally, um, we have access to knowledge that people didn't have through history. Any, um, and just in the Buddhist context, I can get access to any Buddhist teaching almost. And I can get access to any meditation practice that I want to learn just about, right? And outside of spiritual teachings, like just knowledge about the world, about how the world works, about history, about geography, navigation, like all these things... A hundred years ago, it would have been staggering to a person to see how much access to information we have. It would have been staggering. And that's another area where we're sort of lucky to be here. We're sort of lucky to be here. And we forget that. It's very easy to forget that, especially when, you know, the bills are high and maybe the car broke down, maybe the job is stressful, maybe the kids are fighting, whatever. These things can lead us to forget that we're lucky to be here, right? And we get so caught up in nothing and we chase after things that doesn't, don't serve us. And I want to learn how to stop doing that. I want to learn how to stop doing that. And I'm going to go. So that was precious human life. Second one is impermanence. Um, we don't like to think about that. We hide from that maybe. But the point, the teaching of impermanence is just everything comes and goes. Everything, right? And, you know, even like things that seemingly last forever like mountains, eventually they go away. Nothing in this world is permanent. So again, this is about, well, then don't waste your life, right? Because you're also not permanent. All the things you're chasing after aren't permanent, and you're also not permanent. And maybe we have to tell young people that sometimes you're not going to live forever. You don't have to tell old people, though. You don't have to tell middle-aged people like me. We know. We know. We see. We see the gray in our beards, we see that we're not as fast as we used to be, right? Impermanence is the notion that one day you're going to die. And when we keep that in mind, oh, maybe we shouldn't waste our lives with meaningless, trivial things, right? Maybe what if we try to make the world a better place because we have limited time here, right? Sometimes it seems like we are, I like to use this metaphor of, um, we're on a sinking ship and we're arguing with each other instead of trying to get to the lifeboats. You know what I'm saying? So that's one way I like to think of it sometimes because we do, we get caught up in nonsense instead of doing what we need to do to make our lives better, to improve our well-being. You can add, I believe, uh, you can add your, you can't add years to your life all the time, but you can add life to your years by learning to just be more mindful, wise, and compassionate. We can live in a better way, and that adds more meaning to our lives. Meaning, and that's important. That's important. I think we we get depressed and we struggle when we don't feel like there's meaning in our lives. Okay? So, 
um, the third one, karma, cause, and result. Um, that might be hard for me to talk about briefly. Let's see if I can do it. So, everything you do has consequences. And when you do bad things, there are often bad consequences, you know? So, I know... Um, if I shoplift, there's a solid chance I'm going to get caught, right? And even if I don't, I've got some guilt in me, whatever I've stolen. I might tell myself I don't feel guilty, but whatever I've stolen when I'm using that, that's in the back of my mind. Oh, I'm guilty. And geez, if people find out, how embarrassing is that if I, if I, a middle-aged man shoplifts, right? That's really embarrassing. So there's all sorts of consequences that come from just that one negative action. And, you know, a, a simpler one is if I eat too much, I'm going to feel uncomfortable in my stomach, right? Not only, and then not only that, but there's maybe some, some caloric or body uh, affecting aspects to that too. But the simpler aspect is if I eat too much ice cream, my stomach hurts, right? It doesn't, it's not going to give me the joy I think it will. And that's just cause and result. And again, the traditional Buddhist teaching is your life now and the choices you make can inspire um, a future life that an aspect of you is going to experience. And that can be a very challenging thing to wrap our heads around, but you know, we can, we can see in our own lives the way our actions have consequences. If you step on people at work to get ahead, you may get ahead, but you're also getting that reputation and people know and people don't trust you, right? And if you, and of course, um, if you cheat on your spouse or partner, I think we all know some consequences that can come from that. They can be quite, quite devastating. And I, I've had experiences in my life where I have done something that I knew I should not do, and I convinced myself to do it, and I convinced myself, oh, it's okay because of this excuse or that excuse, right? And then I had negative results. And I bet if you reflect on your own life, you can see things like that too, where there's a thing you know that is, you know it's the wrong thing to do. I believe we almost always, when we have choices, know the right and wrong thing to do. Maybe not always, but almost always. And so you can reflect on if you've had that kind of experience in your life where you knew something was the wrong thing to do and man, you really wanted to do it. So you convinced yourself you made an excuse why it was okay, or you just said, well, I don't care. I want to do it. I'm doing it, right? Whichever of those, and you did it, and then later, consequences came. Maybe not what you expect, but consequences came. Consequences came. You know, a person can steal a car and get caught by police, but a person can steal a car and also get in an accident in that car, right? There's all sorts of ways consequences can come, and it certainly may not be what you expect. I think people fall in this trap of thinking that, the result of their action is going to be the thing they expect. But you can have all sorts of negative outcomes that aren't the thing you expect, right? All sorts. Life is more complicated than that. And karma is more complicated than that. And uh, so that is, that is karma or cause and result. And it just means, uh, karma just means action and result or cause and result. People think it means um, a cosmic scorecard where you do this and this and this, and then this is going to happen to you. And it, um, the term can be used that way, but I think 
um, the original meaning is is instructive to us. It just means cause results come from causes, and we know that, right? Just like precious human life and impermanence, uh, cause and effect is really clear. It's 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 clear to us that that's true. I don't have to convince you that there are results from the things you do because you know that, right? So the last one, and this. Some people think that mind training and Buddhism are negative philosophies because of this, and I strongly disagree. This is about empowerment. This is about overcoming, overcoming the dissatisfactory nature of existence or suffering. And so, what is what are we talking about when we talk about suffering? First of all, to me, that word suffering brings up all sorts of connotations of like horrifying things being done to you. You know, suffering is like I'm being stabbed, right? Tortured, whatever. That to me, that's what that word means. So I sort of struggle with it because it is used in Buddhism all the time. But you see, it's a translation. And the word it's a translation of is dukkha, D-U-K-K-H-A. And when it was first brought to the West, that word was translated as suffering. And I don't know if that was the right choice. And the reason I say that is this. Dukkha means, um, at its fundamental level, it means, in the original way, what it meant was like having an ox cart with a broken wheel. Like having an ox cart with a broken wheel. And I'm going to explain why that should be meaningful. Um, I don't know what an ox cart is. I guess it's a cart pulled by oxes. Um, oxes? Oxen? I don't, I don't even know if it's oxes or oxen. But that's not very relatable to me. So I want to take it and make it a shopping cart instead. Because I think we've had that experience in our lives. You go to the uh, grocery store. You get a shopping cart. You start shopping. And you notice while you're shopping that one of those wheels is just a little bit fucked up. Just a little bit messed up. And it maybe it sticks once in a while and it just is not spinning like the other wheels or maybe it that general generally it's that. But the point is like maybe it wobbles whatever. It's making shopping a little bit more annoying, but most of the time it's not bad enough that you go get another cart, right? So if you get the shopping cart, one of the wheels is a little bit off kilter, a little bit messed up. It jacks up your experience some. And the well-being of your shopping experience is harmed, right? And life is like that. Life is like a shopping cart where a lot of the time, one of the wheels is a little bit messed up. Sometimes two. Sometimes all the wheels are messed up. Sometimes there are no wheels. And that's when life is really going bad for us, okay? And that's what we're talking about here when we talk about suffering. We're talking about one broken wheel. We're talking about there's something going on that can harm my joy and it's going on and it's messing things up for me. It's messing things up for me. And this only happens because we're attached to the idea of having four good wheels on our shopping cart. 
we're attached to that idea, so we're disappointed when that's not happening, and that is what causes our dissatisfaction with that shopping cart, because we're attached to the idea of it working the way we want it to. We think life should work the way we want it to, and life works however it works, right? Life works however it works, so that is the dissatisfactory nature of existence. So those are the four thoughts that change the mind. And that is it for today. And I hope this teaching has been helpful. Have a good day. Thank you for listening and have a good day.